morning again, uh, everybody. So good to gather, and uh, and we love you, Bakers. Thank you so much, uh, David and Karis, for, for leading us so well this morning, and to Jamie and all and all the crew and everybody who's making all of this happen. So really good to uh, be gathered to, to, around God's word and, and in His presence. And um, yeah, we continue in in uh, uh, this great series from uh, Philippians. Philippians, not Colossians or any other part of the Bible, Karis. Brilliant. Um, I like the old uh, Jewish story of the man who goes to his rabbi uh, one day, moaning that his life is very difficult. And he says, there are nine of us living in one room, rabbi, and I'm anxious, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm angry sometimes. What should I do? And the rabbi says, well, take a goat, take your goat into the room with you and then come back in a week's time. And the man isn't very happy about that, but he does what he's told and he comes back a week later and, and he moans even more to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, we, we can't stand it. The goat, the goat is filthy and it's noisy and it smells so bad and I'm so stressed out. And the rabbi says, well, go home and let the goat out and then come back to me in a week. And the man comes back seven days later beaming <clears throat> and he says, Rabbi, life is so good. It's wonderful at home. I'm peaceful. I'm relaxed now that there's no goat. It's just the nine of us living gratefully together. For um, all of us, friends, uh, and almost all the time, I expect, let alone in a strange uh, season like this lockdown, there are circumstances in our lives that we would love to change. They just are. Uh, maybe you're sick or somebody uh, close to you is sick or your, your, your room is too small or your, your bank account is too small or you have a difficult boss or um, you'd love to be married or you'd love to have a better marriage. In brackets, sign up for the marriage course. Um, it's going to be brilliant on Thursday. Um, or frankly, you're just done with Zoom meetings and life on a screen or home educating or you'd love for your kids to go back to school or you just want to meet some friends and give them a hug and maybe have a beer in a pub. Remember those days um, or, or whatever. All very understandable. It's part of the human condition in a broken world. We want for things to be different. We pray for things to change. We work for things to change and be different. It's all part of seeking, if you like, a, a better life um, for ourselves, for other people, completely normal. But you'll notice in, in the goat story that I've just told that uh, between the start and the end of that story, actually none of the man's external circumstances changed at all, did they? It was still, um, it was still the same room. It was still the same nine people. He couldn't change that at all. What did change was his internal world, his perspective, his capacity to, to deal differently with uh, the external reality that he, he was in. So in this final letter from, from lockdown, this, this final message from the book of Philippians, chapter four, incredibly rich chapter, way too much uh, to, to tackle in one message, a bit like a box of chocolates, pick your favourite. But Paul this morning is going to direct our focus to something incredibly powerful, that has um, a huge role to play in changing our internal world, in changing our perspective, in growing our capacity to deal differently with the external realities of life, especially the ones that we, that we struggle with. And there's so much evidence, even just in this chapter four of Philippians, let alone in the rest of the book, it's a theme that we haven't really picked up so far, but it's all over this book. It's all over the rest of Paul's writings. It's all over the whole of scripture, frankly. There is this God-inspired, God-directed superpower. Nothing less than that. It's a superpower and it does these things. It challenges anxiety. It challenges stress. It challenges um, our worry. It challenges depression. It challenges other negative uh, kind of mental health conditions. It, it opposes um, self-pity. 
and uh, victimhood. It fights against anger and bitterness. It, uh, I would say, it takes on our pride. It takes on self-obsession. Positively, it helps to foster humility, this superpower does, this God-inspired, God-directed superpower. It fosters humility. It guards our soul, the Bible says. It increases peace. It releases strength. It helps to shape an otherly uh, generous perspective. It positions my heart and yours to receive truth more easily. It helps to remind me and it helps to remind you about our true identity, that we are loved without limit by God. This superpower anchors us to the astonishing reality that we are, we are secure in God, we're forgiven by him, we're free, we're valued, we're known, we're accepted. So this superpower is a phenomenal weapon of light in battles, all of our battles, big and small, against darkness. And this superpower is the simple, honest, heart quality of gratitude. You probably anticipated that. It's where Karis and David started us off this morning. The heart quality of gratitude, giving thanks. And not just as a, as a regular practice, although that's how it begins, but as a whole way of being, as a way of being, the orientation of my internal world. So live gratefully. That's the first half of the title of this message. I'm going to reveal the second half right towards the end. Live gratefully, live gratefully, living gratefully, acting gratefully, speaking gratefully, singing, shouting gratefully, all expressions of a thankful heart. So here's Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7. Karis just read it. Beautiful. You'll know these verses. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. And uh, friends, uh, just a moment to say, let's be careful that we don't get defensive at this point or take offense or feel that we're being judged or anything like that when we experience stress and anxiety, because we do some more than others, but we do. It's part of our human condition. This is God's word. Remember, this is coming from a place of real compassion and real hope. The most loving person who ever walked the planet, Jesus Christ himself. He tells us countless times, don't be anxious, don't stress, don't be fearful, don't worry. Um, so we need to check, do we hear that as judgment? Do we hear that as uh, condemnation and failure? Do we think of that as, oh, well, that just must apply to other people, but not me? I, I hope not. That, that would be the, religious, the voice of the religious parrot that I, I bang on about, that parrot that we, that we need to dispatch with his kind of demonic whispering. There's no judgment here. Let's take heart, don't be anxious. And let's hear, don't be anxious then, as a life-giving um, encouragement. The Lord loves us. He's always after improving our lives, our health, our well-being, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and just drawing us closer to himself and his incredible purposes for, um, for our lives. And so Paul here is reminding us that this key superpower is one to develop in that whole process. It's a heart, a heart of gratitude. It's living gratefully. So if we ask Paul, uh, Paul, how are you? His answer to that question would not be dependent on what's going on in his life. I'll say that again. If we ask Paul, how are you, Paul? His answer to the question is not dependent at all on what's happening in his life. Because I remind you, let's remember, what's happening in his life at this moment as he's writing this is not exactly pretty. Now, I'm not suggesting that Paul is, is perfect, far from it. I'm sure he had his, his weaknesses and his sins and all of that. And he probably wanted to be somewhere other than 
um, the, the, the grossy Roman jail where he's writing this from. But he says, if you've got your Bible open there, verse 11, verse 12, I've learned. So I've learned. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be at peace. I've learned to be grateful when the sun is shining and when it's not shining. I've learned that God is good to his promises always, even when life is uncertain and difficult, that he gives divine strength. Verse 13, I think it's the first verse my, my lovely old dad ever taught me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul's learned this. He's learned that he'll, God will meet us in our place of need. There's verse 19. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus. All his learning, he's learning to live gratefully and if it's possible for paul by the way literally the biggest most kind of murderous anti anti-christian thug uh, the world's probably ever known then it is possible for for you and me it's not he's in some special category and, and this doesn't apply to us it's not that he's got some gift that nobody else has got or some personality type that enables him to to be joyful and enables him to be peaceful and enables him to be hopeful and enables him to be purposeful even in situations which are demanding and difficult even with chains around his ankles probably so it's not the power of positive thinking here let's get that it's the power of god accessed through faith and paul is taking god seriously he's taking god at his word he's made himself available to the holy spirit to transform him from the inside out and what paul is saying is thanksgiving is key to all of that. Thanksgiving is central to all of that. Live gratefully. There's a Roman writer called Cicero, not a Christian, and he got it right when he said this. Gratitude, he says, is not only the greatest of all virtues, but the parent of all the others. Thankfulness, then, it's the, it's the first response, isn't it, to the goodness of God. It's the, the beginning point of worship. Gratitude because of good circumstances, but also gratitude despite bad circumstances there's another spiritual guru you will have heard of her oprah winfrey not used to quoting oprah winfrey but i came across this gratitude she says comes easy when our lives are in order and the bills are paid and the children are behaving and our health is good but what about giving thanks she says in the midst of your trial or during your deepest pain since we know that these hardships are what bring the chance for transformation and the lessons that refine our character. Quite a profound thing to say. And I have no idea um, who Oprah Winfrey gives thanks to in that circumstance. It always seems to me the biggest problem for the atheist, not that I'm saying she is an atheist, I have no idea, but it always seems to be a big problem for the atheist. Who do you give thanks to for, for gifts of, of life and love and everything else that's good? But her words, they line up with God in, in his word, don't they, here? Every second page of our Bible seems to me to carry in this exhortation to be thankful, to be grateful. Paul again in 1 Thessalonians 5, in case we need to hear it again and again. Give thanks in all circumstances, in all circumstances, he says. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. So thank God because um, I have food on my table and clothes on my back. But thank God despite the uncertainty of my future or... Um, the problems that I've got around me despite that I've been forgiven I feel great therefore I thank God I've been made redundant I feel rubbish nevertheless I still thank God I, I was reading about the um the origins of the uh American 
uh, annual ceremony, Thanksgiving ceremony that they have, I think it's at, towards the end of November every year. It's just reading a, a little bit about the history of that. And when the pilgrims first arrived, I think it was in 1620, something like that, in America, they first landed, they had a terrible time. Half of them died from disease, the crops failed, they were attacked, more of them then died from starvation. And so a special day of mourning was proposed to honor the dead. But there were some in the bunch, uh, these hardcore believers, and, and they were all believers, uh, who said, no, a day of thanksgiving to God would be much better because even though many have died, and even though life is tough, the Lord is with us and he is for us. And we do have hope and we do have a future because of his goodness. And so Thanksgiving began. And those settlers, they prevailed and they, they prospered in, in life and in faith. Live gratefully, live gratefully, live gratefully. And friends, of course, that is so much more than just saying thank you. <clears throat> I appreciate that's where it starts. If you have children, you know that that's where it starts. Say thank you, say thank you. That's where it starts. We teach our kids to say thank you for the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the hideous knotted bobble hats that Aunt Agatha um, you know, gave them for Christmas. But it's got to go deeper than that. John F. Kennedy, uh, former president, said the highest appreciation is not to utter words of gratitude, but to live by them. So, of course, it goes beyond uh, just the words. It goes beyond speaking out. It goes beyond even writing down uh, thanks and our, and our blessings on a regular basis. Although I want to say that is a great and really significant habit to form. I know people who have formed the habit of writing down thanks, writing down blessings regularly, things for which they're grateful. It's been a, a key part of their own journey with God. But part of gratitude, as we just dig into this a little bit, it, it is a feeling, isn't it? It's a good feeling. It's a feeling of delight. It's a form of delight, gratitude is. And actually, it's more than just delighting in a gift, although it starts with that too, and, and, and that's part of it as well. It's more than just being pleased at something that you've received. It's like, oh, wow, I've got this, I've got this great new golf bag. It's fantastic. At Roots, being grateful is having a delight that is directed towards the giver. I'll say that again. At root, gratitude is a sense of delight directed towards the giver of the gift because of their gift. Honey, you've given me a, a new golf bag. You must want me to play golf more. That's really lovely because you love me. And so I'll oblige. But the feeling of delight generally rises in proportion, doesn't it, to, um, to how undeserved the gift is. I regret to say that I rarely uh, remember to send my employer a thank you note every month uh, when payday arrives. Doesn't mean that I'm not grateful uh, to them for my job, I certainly am. But there's a kind of trade-off involving my work that then justifies my wage, arguably, according to some anyway, according to my friends. All that to say, all of that to say, all that I've said to this point, we arrive at my final couple of minutes, but they're the most important two minutes. All of that to say then, that gratitude flourishes most in the sphere of grace. Gratitude flourishes most in the arena of grace. And that is the second half of the title of this message, if you want one or need one. Live gratefully, live gracefully, live gracefully. In Greek, just as in English, you probably know, they are virtually the same word, grateful, graceful, based on, on, on the, the word charis, as Gareth Baker will know well, the root word charis. To live gratefully is to live gratefully. Beautiful link, uh, close link between those two concepts. 
Gratitude, being thankful, is the first response to grace. Gratitude then is the delight and it's the warmth that you feel towards someone who has shown you some undeserved kindness or generosity, who has been gracious to you. Back to Philippians 4 again as we dip and dive through this incredible chapter of the Bible. It is no accident here that the last words of this letter from lockdown, from Paul's letter from lockdown to the Philippians and now to, to us in our lockdown, are the very same words, more or less, that he uses to open up the letter. So just let me read the last verse of chapter 4 once again. This is from the message version. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the master, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep, deep within your souls, within yourselves. Once again, receive and experience the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. See, grace opens and closes the book of Philippians. Grace opens and closes the gospel and at all points in between it is the story of grace of this loving God who pours out his costly love on you on me sacrificially on people who may never even recognize it let alone be transformed by it Paul in, a, in another letter to the Corinthians chapter 2 um, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 he, he expresses the gospel like this he says you know, you know you've experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. It's just another way of saying the gospel, isn't it? What we don't have, what we don't deserve, is supplied by what he does have, and then what he gives freely. So our poverty gets replaced by his riches, our weakness by his strength, our emptiness by his fullness and so on this is the gospel not because we deserve it that's the whole point of grace not because we could ever buy it not because we could ever earn it we don't we couldn't we can't we didn't you know that god never sells anything god doesn't sell anything ever but he's gracious full of grace he gives and so gratitude Gratitude, caris gratitude, wells up in the heart of those who get grace. So it's not the words, thank you, or that may start there. It's not trying to return some service to God because we owe him something. Remember, friends, we owe him nothing. We owe him nothing. Otherwise, he'd be selling us something and he's not. It's more than even being glad for the undeserved gift of forgiveness and freedom and eternal life and new destiny and new hope. It is delight, fundamentally gratitude then, is delight towards Jesus, the giver of the gift. It's delight towards Jesus, the giver of the gift. So if I want to be more thankful in my heart as we come into land, if I want to reap the rewards of this extraordinary superpower called gratitude that confronts my anxiety and it confronts my pride and it confronts my self-pity and it positions my heart better to receive all that the Lord has got for me and it's a weapon of light therefore in a dark world then I need to get hold of grace in my heart and the more that I know that I need it the more I will humbly receive and experience it. To live gratefully is to live gracefully. 
Paul would say it to us like this, reset your gratitude, receive, verse 23, receive and experience the amazing grace of the master Jesus deep, deep within yourselves and be thankful. Amen. Little pause and I'll pray, then I'll hand back to David and Karis. Let's pray together. Father, very simply, we, we thank you once again this morning for who you are, for who you are, to the extent that we we know you and have received from you and are aware of your goodness and that every single good gift that we enjoy comes from your generous hand and heart, that your affection flows towards us always. God, we thank you. We thank you. And Father, we're praying today that you will take us much, much deeper. We will be those who receive an experience deep, deep within our hearts, more of this loving, ever-flowing grace that is ours because of you. And from that place, there will be a response of praise, a response of gratitude, a response of thankfulness. Like Paul, Father, we will be able to say, I've learned to be content whatever's going on. And we prefer good circumstances to bad circumstances. Of course we do. But Father, I want to pray that our hearts will be so anchored in you, so intertwined with yours, that we'd know your goodness daily. And that thanks would be the expression of it and worship and a a life that is, in turn, loving of you and loving of others more and more. So do you bless us today. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who have yet to connect with your grace. Even today, Father, I pray that you touch their hearts, even those watching now. I pray you touch their hearts. I pray you'd draw them towards yourself into the, the extraordinary freedom and forgiveness that is life with you. So we pray your blessing and your favour, more of your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.